Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 28 minutes now to 9 the time. Time for your Mediated Conversation this morning. Last week, the Mayor of Etiquinium, Khaleesi Kounda, said that a series of issues had led to the problems involving water around Durban. People in Verulam say they've been without water for over two months. In one case, they say there's actually a part of Etiquini that used to have water but has not had water for about two years. The Minister of Water Affairs, Sinsun Kounu, also said last week, in fact, that if it were up to him, he would intervene as national government to take over some of the water supply infrastructure in Durban. In other words, to fix it. At the same time, as you know, there are many different problems like this in many different places. Uh, last week, we heard from a caller who told us they're still not getting proper, reliable water supplies in Mamalori and Tuane. We heard from the city of Tuane on that issue this morning. So then, are we making any progress? How bad are the problems and what solutions are there? First, this morning, part of that conversation last week from the Minister of Water Affairs and Sanitation, Senzo Mkunu. Then, we were expecting to hear from the community of Verulam about the problems that they're having. Uh, battling to get through to that guest at the moment. I know there's still protests there. That may be one of the reasons. Then, how is this all being fixed? Professor Mike Muller is a professor at Wits University. He is a an engineer and a former di- a director general in the Department of Water Affairs and Forestry. And finally, the executive manager of WaterCan, which is part of Outer, Dr. Ferial Adam. We start then with the Minister of Water Affairs, Senzo Mkunu. Last week, I asked him, if there was a discussion in national government about a wholesale intervention into Etiquini by national government, would he support that? I would support that um, without undermining them, without disrespecting them, and without taking any of their powers, but merely to improve service. Because that's the bottom line. If I had a way, uh, I would exa- exactly do, do so, especially on their uh, Southern Aqueduct, which was decommissioned as far back as uh, 2016, but it has never been uh, um, uh, replaced. And it, it is just shortchanging the whole of the South, especially Umlazi following and so on. This is what we are saying, uh, please attend to this matter immediately and attend. So if there was to be any intervention from above, you would start saying, Let's fix that line. It's it's a his own um, uh, uh, aqueduct. The second thing that you would need to do is uh, stabilize the the northern uh, areas. I mean, in March you had uh, the treatment plant getting heavily affected uh, in uh, in Otongat, and uh, this time around it has also been affected. Now it means that you you now need to study because you already have history. You would then say, what is it that we need to do differently and do such that it must be an extraordinary storm that must uh, affect water supply in in future. And then you do it once and for all so that those people know. Uh, I mean, Utongati itself area has a Utongati as a river, which is quite huge. So it has never been issue of non-availability of water either uh, to Utongati or even at Hazelmere Dam itself, which we've just, whose wall we've just raised and completed, increasing water uh, uh, availability in that area. So it's a question of managing. I would then say, let us uh, improve the system and its resilience such that it doesn't become a concern uh, whether flooding or no flooding. 
That is the Minister of Water Affairs and Forest and uh, and Sanitation, Senator Mkunu, uh, speaking to us last week. That full interview, of course, still available on the SFM uh, podcast page. Well, joined now by Roshan Lil Ruthen from the Verulam Water Crisis Committee. Roshan, good morning and thanks for your time. Good morning, Stephen, and good morning, listeners. How bad has the water situation been for people in Verulam over the last few months? Well, Stephen, it's it's been a, a catastrophe. Uh, many areas uh, were without running water for 90 days. Um, and uh, uh, the the situation has been that the uh, 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 some roads in our area has been without water for for without water for over 103 days. And uh, so that uh, will tell you what sort of uh, nightmare it's been for um, much of the 150,000 residents in our area. There have been community meetings with the mayor. I think there might actually have been one in Etiquini this weekend. He spoke last Thursday. Is he making promises? Is the city making promises about fixing these problems? Well, there are lots of promises coming, uh, Stephen, and unfortunately, a lot of these are empty promises. Uh, For example, we were told that significant step testing was done on the aqueduct, the northern aqueduct, which supplies the Mount View Reservoir that that actually provides a bulk of water to many of the residents in Bethlehem. And we were told that uh, they have now uh, want to replace several valves. Um, and however, they have the valves in stock, but now they don't have flanges. They don't have uh, auxiliary parts to now install the valves. And they're saying that the holdup now is a supply chain management process. Now, do you want to explain that to residents that are already ailing, that are already struggling, that you can't get your house in order or get an emergency deviation to ensure that supply chain supports the production or the service entity to ensure that spares are available so that this uh, emergency repairs can be effected. Now, you you know, you have like a pen pusher telling an engineer, no, you must wait while I push my pen. And the engineer is saying, no, but I have 150,000 residents that need water. And there's all this bureaucracy and red tape that is now hampering the the service delivery and water being released into our area. For example, for the last three days, we have not had a drop of water. And we had tankers that were withdrawn from from our part of the municipality. And uh, Itikwini promised us relief tankers from the Itikwini fleet. And we've only seen one or two. And as we speak, there's a protest taking place under the banner of Voice of Phoenix, and some residents from Verlum have also joined in in support of the protest, uh, which we don't have a problem with as the Verlum water crisis, because any attention to the crisis is good, because it's getting the desired results of getting attention. But we need work to be done, and that is where... Uh, there's not much uh, that we can report on at this stage. Do you believe that the city that the city of Etiquini is actually able to fix the problems? Do you believe that national government needs to take over this? Well, I actually am firmly of the opinion that national government must step in. In fact, my meeting with the minister and a, uh, a committee that was formed uh, last week uh, the minister indicated himself in his own words that he wants to actually create an agency 
to take over water and sanitation in Tikwini. So if the minister has lost hope in Tikwini, uh, who am I, uh, Stephen? Uh, I'm just a community activist. I'm just a spokesperson for a water crisis committee. I mean, if the head of government for for water and sanitation says, Tikwini, you have dismally failed the residents, um, then I believe national government must step in. They can bring the resources and the manpower. And I, last week, uh, Friday, there was a high-level delegation led by uh, the DG and the DDG for water and sanitation. And they've indicated they're bringing in a crack team to work the lines, work the system, and to physically walk the aqueduct testing and, and trying to get repairs done uh, as quick as possible. So they're trying to come now and unclog the bureaucracy and red tape uh, which uh, Itikwini is throwing in, in our face as residents. So I'm hoping that, that with the days to come that that might start uh, to materialize some sort of uh, tangible assistance to the people. But, but as I said, the situation is very dire at the moment. If you look at ENCA and many of the newscasts this morning, you see the entire of the north from Phoenix towards Verlum has been a no-go area. Uh, no traffic flowing in and out. Traffic is completely at a standstill in many of the roads. Roshan Lilruthan, thank you very much indeed from the Verulam Water Crisis Committee. You are there, SAFM, 18 minutes to nine. Continue your mediated conversation around the water issues in Etiquini and then what happens around the rest of the country. Mike Muller is an adjunct professor at Wits University, an expert on water systems and a former director general in the Water Affairs Department. Professor Muller, good morning. Uh, good morning to you, Stephen, and to your listeners. Firstly, in cities, has the scale of the need increased? In other words, do more people need more water in places like Etiquini than in the past? Absolutely. I was looking at the at the population stats. Uh, since 2000, Etiquini's population has gone up by 50%. That's one and a half million new people that need water. So clearly... Uh, if you've got uh, 50% more people, you need a lot more infrastructure. You've got to keep up with that population growth. Uh, that's certainly a problem. Uh, also, the question is, where are those people living and what's the impact of that? Does it make life easier for the water suppliers or more difficult? So, in other words, people could be living in places that it's just genuinely quite hard to get pipe water to. Well, you know, I, I also looked and saw that Etiquini is now, according to Stats SA in 2022, 60% of the people in the city uh, had serious uh, water supply interruptions during 2022. Now, that's partly because of this flood. But, you know, one of the uh, characteristics of Etiquini is that they've got a lot of people living in traditional areas, you know, because Etiquini was a merger between uh, the KwaZulu Territory and the old Durban municipality area. And in those traditional, uh, uh, traditionally managed areas, actually, there's no agreement about how to plan settlements and then how to provide and manage infrastructure in those settlements. So Etiquini has got a particular problem. And then, of course, they've got a further problem that they're a very hilly kind of country. If you put lots of people on top of hills and you get the kind of storms that uh, Etiquini gets, you're going to get a lot of water running off. And the more people and tin roofs there are on those hills, the more water is going to run off and the more damage it will do. And I think that's part of what happened in 2022. Uh, more populated areas, uh, more water running off, a lot of pipelines and waterworks washed away. 
and now they 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 now they've got to scramble and try and fix it. Not an easy job to do, but it's the kind of thing you need to foresee, looking ten and twenty years ahead, and not wait for a disaster to happen to sort of wave a flag and say, "Oh, we ought to do something." Now we have the water minister suggesting there should be an intervention in Etiquini, and I must say I was a, a little surprised at how far he went on the issue. Are there moves underway? Is it difficult to actually do something like that to have interventions like this? You see, the constitution says that uh, water supply and sanitation is a local government function, and uh, you know that that's not argued with. The question is, how do you make sure they do their job properly? The legislation back to 1998 said the municipality is the authority responsible, but they can rep- uh, uh, appoint a water service provider to do the job. And what the minister is arguing, and he's got legislation going through parliament, is to say we really have to take this water service provider option seriously, but we must make sure that anyone who's appointed is actually capable of doing that. And we believe the national government should license water service providers to make sure that they are capable of doing the job. Now, that's a bit of a threat to local government autonomy, but it seems to be the only sensible solution in quite a few parts of the country at the moment. So that would mean government would basically, the national government would basically make sure that the organization that supplies water to the council is actually able to do it. So the, the municipality would be expected to nominate uh, uh, and procure, if necessary, if they want to get it from outside, a water service provider. And that water service provider would have to meet certain conditions that were set by the national uh, minister. And that would uh, try to ensure that competent organizations were appointed. Now, we've got to be careful because in electricity, NERSA has the same same kind of arrangement, but they didn't sort out quite how they would enforce uh, qualified providers as opposed to simply have the provision that says, oh, we can license you. And this is the the issue that's going through at the moment in Parliament. And we need to recognise that SALGA, this local government association, is kind of concerned about their autonomy. They're also concerned about uh, the revenue from water and, you know, how that's going to get to the service provider because at the moment they take quite a large proportion of water bills, water revenue, and they use it for other purposes. So if if a, a provider comes in and all the money for water goes to that provider... What happens to the municipal services that currently are supported by water rates? It's a complicated issue, Stephen, but I think there's movement and what's happening in Etiquini is really highlighting the need for some progress. Um, As a principle, never mind the law, I realise we can't always say that, but would it make sense for there to be more national government intervention? It would have to have the resources and the capability to do all of this. And uh, national government, not just in water, can't interfere everywhere. Exactly. And I think one has to be very cautious about that. But remember, the proposal here is not to uh, say that national government must come and do the job. It's to say we need some national oversight to ensure that competent organizations are appointed to do the job and to supervise that process. Now, you know, you could use the water boards in in KZN. You've got the Umgeni Water uh, Board. You, same as in uh, Joburg and, and Gauteng, you've got round water board. But where there aren't water boards or the water boards don't have capacity, you could consider private provision. And in fact, in Bombell and Nelspreit, a large part of that municipality is currently run by a private company. 
Similarly with Balito, uh, just north of Red Lamb and Phoenix, where all the trouble is at the moment, there's been a private water company running a large part of that area's water supply for the last 20 years. It's contentious, but ask the people on the ground, do you want water or do you want uh, a, a public organization to be responsible for it? They don't care really who's responsible for it. They do want reliable water. And uh, this institutional reform that's being talked about is trying to take us down that road, as I understand it. At the same time, we need to plan for the future. You spoke about how the population of Etiquini had had uh, gone up by half, by 50% from 2000. Gauteng still is is growing as well. Um, we've got phase two of the Lesotho Highlands Water Project, which is supposed to increase the amount of water coming from Lesotho into the Aval River Dam system. Is that moving quickly enough? Well, look, Lesotho Highlands Phase 2 is uh, about eight years late, and it's going to put pressure on Gauteng. But listen to your earlier interview with the uh, the, the, the Chwani uh, uh, politician from uh, talking about Mamalodi. <laughs> the problem there is they had a whole lot of people settled illegally and connecting to water illegally. Well, you know, you don't want people connecting to main pipelines because it upsets the, the operation for the whole area. But you've got new people there. You can't tell them they're not going to get water. And in every part of the country, population is growing. Um, and uh, and uh, the Etiquini, the, 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 the 50%, 1.5 million new people in 20 years, is just typical of what's happening everywhere in the country. Our metros need to plan for the future, and they need to try and ensure that settlement is organized because organized settlement is much easier to provide services for than haphazard squatting that has been taking place, as is the case in Mamalodi. Um, but that requires competent and effective local government. And, you know, national can do so much. But in the end, if your local administration fails to control land use and fails to plan for new services, then we'll see national always coming and trying to put sticking plasters on a really bad wound. Professor Mike Muller, thank you. A professor at Wits University and a former Director General in the Department of Water Affairs. In a moment, Dr. Feriel Adam. It's 10 minutes to 9. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continue your mediated conversation this Monday morning about the problems with water in Etiquini and how they translate into other problems around the country. Dr. Feriel Adam is an Executive Manager at WaterCan, which is part of Alta. Dr. Adam, good morning. Good morning, Stephen, and good morning to your listeners. We've seen so many problems in places like Etiquini, Tswane, other places as well. Do local councils have the resources to fix these problems? Some of these problems seem to last forever and ever. They indeed do, and it is concerning that many of these municipalities do not have the resources to fix it. So they don't have the skill, they have squandered the money somehow, um, and if we look at just, you know, government's own blue drop and green drop report, the state of our wastewater and our drinking water is in a dire condition. So I think that it's they and it's it's partly wasteful expenditure, and it's they haven't used the money correctly because it is there, you know. So it's just how it's being spent and and do, and getting the work done. Would a bigger role for national government really work? I mean, would national government actually be better and i can see some arguments to say that it might yeah but i can see arguments to suggest that it wouldn't you know the thing is the state of our waters in su- it's such in such a place is 
is that no one entity is going to actually solve it. There has to be a collective that gets involved. And there's, there's, there's so much that the local government can do and there's so much that national government can do. But national government, before this present minister and DG and new leadership, have been pretty hands-off. And that has allowed this problem for over 10 years to kind of spiral into this mess we're in right now. So yes, they have a role to play. They can't not have a role, but what is that role? And I think that, you know, your previous speakers have been talking about it. It's about um, making sure we have functioning water boards, functioning uh, structures, and then also ensuring that people are held accountable. The, municip the, the, the Department of Water and Sanitation as a national government while it can't hire and fire people at local government, it can lay criminal charges for high levels of pollution. Um, and, that's, and that's the route that they're going. So the DWS is actually charging 14 municipalities criminally for pollution or polluting water. But people need to be held accountable. And we as ordinary citizens, we also need, and you see this, you know, we need to hold our local councillors uh, accountable. We need to hold municipalities accountable and we need to make these changes in our votes because otherwise this is going to just get worse. Um, so I do think there's a role for national, but we cannot expect that once national says we're going to be part of this, that this is going to be a quick fix. Unfortunately, where we are right now, this is going to take a long time to fix. Obviously, we also need a lot of long-term planning. Is anyone sitting down and doing any of the kind of planning that we're going to need for the future? I mean, we know from stats to say, we know what the population projections are going to be. Is anyone mm. sitting down and working all of this out? So, so in theory, that is supposed to be happening. In theory, you know, that's what we need to be done in terms of planning, like the, the integrated development plan, which is a local government document where people have the right to actually input into that document, is supposed to be a five-year looking document and changed every two years. Is it efficient? No, it's not. It locks out a lot of people that can actually raise their voices. It becomes too technical and for ordinary people, it becomes too bureaucratic so they don't get involved. So there are those avenues, but it's not being done well enough. The other thing we must do is we must plan for climate change. We cannot keep saying, oh, this was such a bad year of rain. Oh, this was a heavy rainfall. These things are going to become the norm. Droughts and heavy floods are going to be what we experience with climate change, and we're experiencing it already. But where's the planning for that? It must be put into um, the actual foresight for water. And you're right, we, ha we have not done proper planning in terms of our infrastructure, what is needed. You can't tell me, oh, no, it's because the demand is too high. There's a population increase. Population doesn't increase in one year, you know. So that, that is definitely lacking. One of the things about all of this is that planning for water is a very long-term game. It's something that you've got to do for a long period of time. And this is a problem democracies often have, is they don't plan very well for the long-term future because everyone's worried about the next sort of election deadline. Could we be going into that kind of problem as well, that people are becoming more focused on national, provincial, and then local elections? And that means that no one's sitting down and planning for 15 or 20 years from now. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I have to say that we have some good scientists, we have universities, we have re water research commission that are doing good planning and good research, but <laughs> you need then the political will for people to actually listen to them. So we have the expertise, we have the, you know, 
you know, intelligence, the, the modeling, some really, really innovative things out there. We just need, and, and it's right, we need people to stop um, politicking around our water. It is a life issue and everyone needs to be responsible and come to the party. Well, come to, excuse the pun, come to the party, but uh, we, can't ex we, can't, we can't have people trying to gain votes in any election because of this. Um, and that we need to stop. There needs to be a maturity in our politics to deal with life issues that we're experiencing in South Africa. Dr. Ferial Adam, thank you very much indeed. Executive Manager at WaterCan, that's part of Outer. My thanks also to Professor Mike Muller, uh, a, Vitz, uh, a adjunct professor at Wits University and also a former Director General in the Department of Water Affairs and Forestry. Roshan Lilruthan is from the Verulam Water Crisis Committee and then starting us off today, that clip uh, from that conversation with the Minister of Water Affairs and Sanitation Centre in Kunu from last week. That full interview is still available for you, by the way, as a podcast here on SAFM. Kathy is next. There's a lot uh, going on today. I can see that the ANC still has uh, several briefings. I expect there'll be questions, more conversations to come around the International Court of Justice and that ruling. Also, I suspect uh, conversations to come around the ANC's Integrity Committee. Also, of course, the EFF in court today. They uh, want to overturn Parliament's decision to suspend some of their members from being in Parliament uh, for a month. It would include, as I understand the dates, the State of the Nation address as well. So that would mean, effectively, Julius Malema would not be allowed to be in the National Assembly uh, for that event. There are plenty of other things happening as well today. So, yes, we're just in the last week of January, but already things beginning to move very, very quickly indeed.